1: Hi guys, welcome back to Melanated Faith. This week, it's just me, Catherine, alone. Um, Faith is, you know, jet-setting, moving, and shaking. But I'm so excited for our guest today, a good, good friend of mine, um, Ifoma Ebekwe. Ify and I know each other first from law school and then we were in a Bible study for years together and so she's one of my dearest friends but today she's here in her professional capacity as the owner and principal attorney and founder of Ibekwe Law. Um, she believes in empowering women to make decisions that affect them with wills, trust, and other estate planning documents, emboldening women is if he's calling. And she also loves speaking about entrepreneurship and supporting other women lawyers. She is a double Longhorn. She graduated from University of Texas at Austin for undergrad and law school. She has practiced law for over 14 years. She's passionate about racial justice and racial reconciliation. She is currently the national board chair for Be The Bridge. And she enjoys spending time with her husband and four spirited children, my adorable goddaughter, Nadia. And is an avid lover of books and runs a book club that focuses on reading women of color. Welcome to the podcast, iffy. Catherine, I'm so honored. Well, I wanted to have you on today because we are going to talk a lot about a lot of different things, um, chatting, but like the main thing I wanted to talk to you about is just women, black women taking control of their financial future Mm -hmm. um, with wills and estate. I feel like that's such a, we feel like that's for other people. Mm -hmm. And so we don't do it. um, And we talk a lot about like the wealth gap between black and um, white families. And so to get started, I kind of wanted to talk to you about why you chose estate planning, why estate planning is important for closing that generational wealth gap.
0: Thank you for saying that. I do struggle with this. You know, I picked the most un, you know, um, inspiring area of the law, if that makes sense, for lawyers. I mean, if you think about it from a lawyer standpoint, how many of us even know anything about wills and trusts except what we took in law school. It just seemed like <laughs> one of those areas of the law that's for the 1% or these other people that have trust, right? Not regular people, boots on the ground. And so I hated trust and estates in law school. In fact, it just seemed so foreign and n- unlike anything I could relate to because nobody in my family talked like that. And I just felt like we were doing hypotheticals of these people that, you know, weren't anything like me, and so I didn't go into law thinking I would become a trust and estates lawyer. I did school law for 11 years, and then um, I had an opportunity to start creating wills and estate plans for a company that was referring business out. They were financial planners, and they asked me if I did wills. The guy who was doing their wills was putting the wrong names on it, and I was like, (laughs) I can do that you know i know i won't do that you know and so that's how it
1: started yeah so can you talk about why do you think that so like i think it's very common among african-american families not to have wills or any kind of you know estate planning for the future and it's so strange because i think we think we don't have assets Mm -hmm. and so then it's like who's going to pay the taxes on grandmother's house like all these things and so maybe if you could just talk a little bit about who estate planning is for and why people should do it. So
0: estate planning is for everyone. If you are 18 years old and you can make decisions for yourself, which means that you don't have some sort of uh, guardianship or conservatorship, a la Britney Spears, then you can and should get an estate plan. And this whole myth about who it's for it's for all of us it's for all of us i can give you a little bit of history about why we don't see it as a norm in many families historically estate planning was a tool used by the very wealthy if you go back to old england you know you have examples of land owning uh white european men who were the ones that were using the same system that we use essentially when i die i bequeath this to that even biblically you think about oh the firstborn son is the one who's getting the inheritance and all the drama about inheritance it has always happened it has always been whether you feel like you have enough money or not there has to be a way to determine when somebody dies who gets what right estate planning goes a step further so you could be completely broke but you also have to determine who gets to make medical decisions for you. Are you getting buried or cremated? Have you prepaid for that? The average funeral costs you know, upwards of $12,000. Who's gonna pay for that, right? And you think about all the things that can come from death, but there's also incapacitation planning too. If you can't take care of yourself, who is gonna take care of you? And how are they gonna take care of you? All of that is encompassed in estate planning. So it affects everybody.
1: Yeah, no, that's really great. Okay, what about like a myth that like if you think I feel like people also struggle with estate planning because they don't want to think about their own death and like how yeah. do you get over that hurdle um, with their cl- with your clients?
0: Well, I've done hundreds and hundreds of estate plans, and I can tell you in my research and in my experience, they're not dropping like flies as soon as they do it. Okay. <laughs> So just anecdotally, I'm, the numbers are not proving to be true. In fact, I haven't lost a client yet. And so it's one of those things that if you think if I put energy into this, I know my death is impending. You know, it's no, it's, it's just a thing you do. Just like you buy health insurance and car insurance, you get your affairs in order. It's just another thing. It doesn't mean that if you buy car insurance, you're going to get hit. If you buy health insurance, you're going to be stricken with some terminal illness. It's just what you do to prepare because we don't know when or if things like that happen. So we basically say, I'm going to put some money aside in case that happens so that I know I'm prepared. That's all it is.
1: Yeah. And I think also, too, of it, is it like a loving act for the living, like the people that you're left behind? Absolutely. Absolutely. And Catherine,
0: you know, think of all the examples you give the grandmother tax thing. How many families do your listeners know that have fallen out? over mom told me I was supposed to get the house, but I can't afford to pay the taxes. And so then they bought me out and now not, they don't speak or they sold the house because nobody could afford it. And now they have no property and they're salty. You know, Families just fall out. It's tale as old as time, it's biblical. People fall out when there are no directions. And so what better gift than to give instructions and directions about what should happen should something happen to me. Let me spell it all out for you. I love that.
1: Yeah, I do too. I had a um, friend whose um, mother passed away, and she had done everything. So there was no like, I mean, down to the like program, like who was going to speak, mm-hmm. what scriptures were going to be read, and they couldn't fight with each other because it was like this is what mom, like mom, was very explicit in what she wanted, mm-hmm. and it made it easier for them as they grieved because they weren't there wasn't dissension amongst them. It like yeah. they really could grieve her well so yeah I think yeah you're right it is like a love I think a a loving thing to do for the people that leave you're coming yeah
0: that you leave behind and it's another thing I will say a, a step further than just getting your estate plan put in place to take care of your your wishes should anything happen to you is telling people that you're doing it and telling them what you've done to the degree that you feel comfortable. You don't have to tell them, oh, I'm leaving you $50,000 or you're getting the house here. But you can say, I've gotten my affairs in order. I want you to know that I thought very hard about how I wanted to distribute things and who I wanted to be able to make decisions for me. And I'm really working with your strengths. Everybody plays a role or only this person is playing a role because I want to make it as streamlined as possible. I don't want this to be reasoned for you to fall out. You know, something I do is I have clients who are interested in doing this write letters of wishes. It's not a legal document, but it's sort of an explanation. If you're leaving someone, your child, because you're incapacitated or you pass away, you can say, be generous when it comes to school activities, buy them books at the book fair, pay for a study abroad program, or say, no, this money is to last as long as possible. They get clothes. shoes and a backpack and everything else is like you better get a job like you can do that and people do that so you can have your wishes known um, to give even more direction and guidance
1: yeah so i guess then my other question would be in addition to just like the specifics of what you do in estate planning can you talk a little bit about what are the challenges and the blessings of being a female entrepreneur Mm. (sighs) Hmm.
0: this is such a good question can we say a black
1: female entrepreneur oh, yes specifically a black female entrepreneur specifically of
0: the melanated variety
1: <laughs> um yeah so like i
0: mentioned at the top i am an estate planning attorney in texas texas does not have uh, catherine before we started recording i was saying The reputation is not the best, just outside of Texas, okay? So I am an estate planning attorney in a state where, in a country where only 5%, actually the number is 4.7% according to the American Bar Association's number for um, race in the profession of law. There's 4.7% who are black, 4.8% who are Hispanic, 2.5% Asian, and then um, you have some numbers for a Hawaiian island, Pacific Islanders, and multiracial people, right? Uh, Native Americans as well. Eighty-five percent of lawyers in America are white, and that's an overrepresentation of about twenty-five percent because about sixty percent of the population identifies as white, right? So there's inherently <laughs> going to yeah. be some problems. So when you go back to that four point seven percent who are black, only about two percent are women. And so I am in a micro minority in the profession of law. And when you drill that down to my little area of of law, estate planning, such an old white boys, white man's club. If you think about the stereotype, who comes in your mind when you think of someone who's doing wills and trusts? Certainly not me. And so it has been interesting. Right. I've actually enjoyed Zoom better because I don't tend to go to a lot of awkward lunch meetings (laughs) anymore where I'm the only black person or one of a few women, period, in a sea full of of largely old white men. And um, no one's really coming in and trying to take me under their wing. Let me just tell you that. And so that has been a challenge, really having the confidence to say, I know enough to help who I can help. I'm bold in saying that I work with women, not because I don't work with men, but because they're the nexus to connect me to everyone in the community. And I get everybody because I say that. Right. I want my firm to be inclusive and and bring in all types of people that don't feel safe. I have clientele who are doing IVF on their own. And they've said to me, I've had multiple, I've had three already that have said, I felt like I could come here because you wouldn't judge me for doing this by myself and wanting to protect this child with an estate plan, right? And there's no father in the fo- in the picture. And we're still working with a lot of archaic notions of who gets access to the law. I work with a lot of same-sex couples. And so there are a lot of people, and, and Christians would be like, you can't do that. But I feel like ethically, that's what I God has put me here to serve people and that's what I do and so while it is challenging because sometimes you don't see anybody doing what you're doing the way you're doing it being uniquely able to walk in the way that God has created me has been wonderful because I can serve and use my gifts in order to bring access um, to an area of the law that people don't think is for them and Therefore, we talk about wealth gap, lose a lot of money because they don't take the time to plan because it seems morbid or it's expensive or it's not for them or they're too young or they're single, right? Or they're divorced. I mean, whatever it is, everyone has an excuse, but I want to make it seem um, democratic and available to everybody.
1: I love that. Like to chat to this idea of like turning what could be a challenge into a blessing and and leaning more into the specificity of who you are and who God created you to be. I love that.
0: Yeah. And another thing I'll add to that, you know, when you talk about entrepreneurship, I consider myself an entrepreneur who does law so I've taken myself out of the hat like I am a lawyer I'm like no I'm a businesswoman and my business is the business of law and I'm licensed to do law as my business but if I wasn't doing law trust and believe I would be doing as you know some other type of business <laughs> absolutely right and so that entrepreneurial streak is in me and i God had to force me out of my old job in order for me to say oh I've always had this this is always something I I have wanted it's impossible for me to apply for a job cuz I just couldn't. I'm like I know how to make money. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I know how to sell. And so that's what I enjoy doing in this season. So for all you entrepreneurs out there, you know what I'm talking about. It's just like this you have to like get on that roller coaster and go up and down and up and down. So
1: Yeah, I was going to say, like, that is a perfect segue into my next question of just how did you know it was time to leave your nine to five? Like, what was that process like of, like, letting go of that and, like, really leaning into how God naturally wired you?
0: Yeah. So for my job, I was there for 10 human years. okay, And one of the reasons I stayed is because they had on-site daycare. And in the course of, I don't know, Catherine, maybe uh, four years, I had three children. And um, I just felt like I have to stay here. And I hated my job for at least the last two years. And then I had my 10 year anniversary and the next week I got fired after the whole party and all of it, right? And I don't say that to make lightly. I I wasn't a great employee at that point. I wasn't able to put in the time because I had this young family and all these children and I wouldn't have left unless God allowed that to happen. And so when that happened, I was forced to start looking at, okay, um, no one wants to hire me. What are my other skill sets? What are my gifts? What can I try? And you know, when you start as an entrepreneur, people don't come aboard. They're not like, oh my gosh, they're so happy. They're like, she's going through a crisis. I hope this works. I hope she knows what she's doing. And the entrepreneur knows that. And many of us don't know what we're doing, but a lot of what you need is just like, radical support not even financial but just like you got this you can do this right and you don't get that a lot your friends are worried your family my mom is still worried and i'm like mom i'm doing really good i'm really i'm not struggling (laughs) but in her mind she wants me to have an office and report to somebody else and have somebody who is paying for all of that without me having to generate it and so yeah that's the tough part but it's fine yeah
1: yeah, I love that. That's such a good, yeah, that sometimes God pushes you out because he knows you would just hold on to that old thing too long. <laughs> yeah.
0: I've never been fired in my life except then. It was the best. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I love that you look at it as such a positive. I mean, I feel like there people are, like, very shamed. Like oh, I was, I was at the
0: time. I was, like, so popular at my job, and then I didn't know what to do. And now looking back, I'm like, oh, I needed a swift kick in the pants to get out of there. I would still be there. Saying, I got on site daycare. You know what I mean? My kids are downstairs. I hate my job, but they're downstairs. No, there are so many daycares.
1: Well, and I think that brings up like a really good point. I mean, we're in the midst of sort of a public debate about child care, the cost of child mm-hmm. care, paid family leave, having time off to take care of your children. Can you talk a little bit about the just the challenges of yeah, being a mom and balancing both your calling as a mother and then your calling as an entrepreneur? Oh, this is such a good
0: question. I um, spent the last 21 years in Austin. As you know, I went to school there. It's the longest I've ever lived anywhere. In March of 2020, I had my fourth baby and a week after I had her, Austin shut down for COVID. And one of the things I had been working towards was having an attorney be me so I could have a maternity leave with this baby, like a full three months off. And so I had spent about two months plus preparing for that, thinking I was doing it for For this maternity leave, not knowing I was doing it because in, ad, in addition to everything shutting down, all my kids were at home, right? And I had a business to run. And so this woman stepped in as me to help me during my leave. And we didn't have a nanny because they were in school and preschool, my other children. And we had to become all hands on deck and reshuffle everything and one of the hardest parts about being a solo or a small business owner is, how do you pay for things like that? How do you pay for leave? How do you take leave, right? How do you take a vacation, especially if there are other people who are independent contractors, or maybe even part-time employees, if you're just beginning and you're starting to finally scale, how do you even offer benefits to people? Because when you get the quotes, it's just, it's unbearable, it's unsustainable for a business. And so, a lot of that has come with time, just being able to grow the business. I think if there were guaranteed things like uh free childcare, right? Where I'm not paying what I do now, which is a couple of thousand dollars a month, to have two of my kids be in preschool, right? If that was something that's subsidized, I know a lot of what I could do with a couple thousand dollars a month, right? And you think of other countries when you have Countries with maternity leaves that are paid. You know, even North Korea, I saw a list. North Korea has better maternity leave than we do. We don't have it. We have FML if you qualify, but it's not paid. They can just hold your job if they have certain employees and if you've worked there a certain amount of time. There are all these hoops that make it impossible for a woman to stay away from the workplace. And so, I know there's a lot going through Congress right now with that and I saw something was was approved today or yesterday, but it's, it's one of the things I haven't figured out, you know, how do you make it sustainable to to take a leave because there has to be margin in your work, there has to be vacation, there has to be weekends, there has to be time to birth and recover, or to be ill. And and those things cost money to business owners. And it would be wonderful if our government saw that as something worthy of subsidizing, especially when it comes to keeping women in the workforce.
1: Yeah. And I think also too of just like, for I think for a lot of like Christians they kind of struggle with that like oh like it's a very still like kind of like antiquated attitude about women it's just like oh well now that you have kids you should just give up your career or your calling and just stay home and then this isn't an issue and I think (laughs) no
0: and I I think that's not happening I'm still a person
1: (laughs) But I think having this conversation around even for Christian women to say, like, God has called me to this specific thing outside of the home and mm-hmm. to help me be fully who God has called me to be. I need support, whether that's family support, communal support. Sometimes it is governmental support um, and things like paid leave and, and, you know, subsidized child care. I was shocked when you told me how much it cost. To, I I just I had no idea that people were paying that.
0: I just went down. I was like, oh my gosh, it's only 2,000 a month. Can you imagine saying that? What a privilege to be able to pay that. And I also wanna let you know, like, I don't feel like I make a ton of money at all in our family, but we we qualify for no tax credits. Cause people are like, "Oh, you must get the best tax credit with your kids. We are fully middle-class, okay? And at a certain point, a lot of women have to make the decision of leaving the workforce because their salary doesn't offset Childcare, and so it forces people to stay home, and I mean in every level of profession, right? And then there's the time element as well. You want to see your kids, and that pressure isn't put on men as as much as it is on women. But yeah, childcare is astronomical. It's obscene. If you have a nanny, it's even worse. And public school. Let me tell you, I cannot wait till everybody's in public school. I feel like I'll I'll get a a huge raise, but then the money goes to other things like mountain biking classes and gymnastics and all kinds of things I said I would never do. Here I am (laughs) driving them in a minivan to those things, costing so much money.
1: (laughs) If he was the most anti-kids having outside activities, I know. I'm like, you don't need activities. (laughs) You got the library. But now I'm glad, I'm glad that my, my beloved children are not being deprived of the opportunity to look, I feel like
0: one of mine is going to be an Olympian in one of these sports because she excels and that's your godchild. She excels in everything
1: and she's flexible
0: and just like, yes, she's doing front jumping handsprings that she taught herself in the grass. And I'm like, please stop. And then she gets on a mountain bike and she wants to do tricks, like to ride on the back wheel or to jump over things with a bike, which if you are a person like me, you're like, I, in my lifetime, would never have even thought to try that. And she's going for it, like focus. So I got to invest in that. I want to see where that takes us.
1: I love it. And Nadia is like, I always tell her, I'm like, you're so brave. Like she is like the most courageous from a very young age kid i have ever even with just like normal things where kids can't really like gauge risk or whatever i mean like i think she is like above that she just um i have no doubt that she will be either an olympian or president i mean she's that's something yeah she's she's fantastic um okay so i think something you mentioned about um Yeah, you have gone through a lot of change over the course Mm -hmm. of the pandemic. Another kid, you guys moved. Mm -hmm. um, And a lot of people, you know, we're reading, have made big life changes over the course of the last two years. Um, Maybe if you could talk a little bit about why, how it's been, Mm -hmm. what what was your kind of process in, like, yeah, I mean, you guys moved to the state. Like, I mean... Yeah, so picture just...
0: this here we are in our north austin starter home right paying exorbitant mortgage to live in a shoebox with six people in a global pandemic and nowhere to go that'll have you thinking about all kinds of way of es- all kinds of ways to escape you remember at that time parks were closed we weren't taking them to the grocery store there was no museum there's nothing to do we're just at home like raising them on youtube and keeping them away from the baby because we had a newborn well one of my friends moved to northwest arkansas to bentonville over a year before the pandemic and uh, i was talking to her about how i don't go anywhere i don't see anybody um even my mom couldn't stay with us because we didn't know how this pandemic worked we didn't want her to get sick she's older and so she said hey why don't you come out here and rent one of the houses and you can have a staycation and just stay at the house and there's a pool and it would be fun to just get away from austin get on on the road we didn't even tell people because it was kind of not kosher to do that and so we get in our minivan and drive up to northwest arkansas and have the best time ever honestly and we're in this little town it's very progressive they're taking down their confederate statue and um everywhere we go people are telling us you should move here oh my gosh your kids would love it here our schools are excellent here and i was like god what why why would i ever you know me yeah ever leave austin to move to arkansas there is no way if you had told me that even a year and a half ago uh, you, you know just before that trip I'd say absolutely not there's just no way but while we were here we really felt it and my husband felt it too he's like do you feel like we're supposed to be here and I'm like this is gonna be a hard one to sell to our family right (laughs) they're gonna be like "What? what Arkansas there's no connection no family and we we just decided let's put our house on the market the market was very hot our house sold and we moved. We both worked for ourselves. Remember I told you about the maternity leave? After that ended, I was looking at revenue. It had more than doubled with hiring somebody to basically be me. And I thought I'm never going back to the office every day. So I had the flexibility to move and my son was still in school virtually. So it was like the perfect time to make a, a calculated risk in that decision and we did. And it's been wonderful. And it's a slower pace, more room, more backyard. I have my garden. It's a milder climate, so I can grow things. I really love gardening. And uh, my kids have a playscape in their backyard and room to run around and just be kids on the cul-de-sac. So it was a yeah. really good move.
1: Did you, think, did you think that the pandemic like provided this opportunity that you might not have had otherwise to like reconsider? 100% life. Yes, you know, and it would
0: be so hard. It would be so hard to be running, you know, we, we have one car. We live in a small, small town. Okay. One car and we both work from home and I'm like, we should probably get another car. And I'm like, where am I going? Nowhere. And I am happy to be at home, but I would be going to the office and going to pick up at and doing all these other things. If I were in Austin and, you know, our traffic. There's no way you can have one car. And so just simplifying um, the pandemic has brought so much pain and suffering, but it has also changed, you know, think about the great resignation or the fact that you go to fast food and they can't staff the places. They're not staffing Chick-fil-A so you can't go inside. They're not staffing McDonald's because people don't want to work there anymore. And so all these changes that are forcing people to look at how they live and work and where they live and where they work, I think are also a blessing as well.
1: Yeah, that's really good. So I guess one question I have, ha- I have for you. I think when you told us you're moving to Northwest Arkansas, it's like, you're black. <laughs> so yeah. what are the challenges? It's it's safe. Is Yeah, I mean, that's like a real, like, is it is it safe? And, you know, yeah, I think of, like, Nnamdi. It's this, like, little curious yes. boy, and I'm like, oh, um, is he going to be okay? What do you think are the challenges of being African-American and, like, living outside of, like, a major city center? And then maybe what are yeah. some of the positives that you've experienced?
0: So you have to remember, I'm moving from Austin, and as cool as Austin is, it is way more white than Northwest Arkansas. I mean, I haven't looked at the numbers. I can tell you there were no black people in my neighborhood and in our school, there were four black kids in the elementary school. And we had a black principal, which is one of the reasons that I I went um, or we bought the house there because we were so excited that we found a black person. And so when you think about things like that, it's horrific that Austin is so cool and so non-black, very anti-black. And so in this neighborhood, the first day we moved here across the fence there's a little black girl who was the Aww. same age as nadia their best friends and they weren't able to meet each other actually for about seven or eight months but over the fence they would talk to each other they had a trampoline and a playscape and i was like black people <laughs> what <laughs> is going on and even on my street we have a black family perpendicular to my street there's a black family down the street from where we live is a black family so in my little neighborhood radius like from where i can see from my house there are at least five black families that live there and same thing with the school nadia had started kindergarten and she goes there are five girls with beads like me in my (laughs) class not in her class but in kindergarten and that might not be remarkable but we're coming from austin where there is no one who is black right and she's like they have beads like me and she goes well one of them has puffs but the rest of them have beads but she has curly hair too and it's just like listen i have never felt more included and welcome it's a very um subsidized community because it's the home of the waltons and there's a lot of money here and there's a lot of intentionality the curator of our our renowned museum which is absolutely the nicest museum I've been to in the United States is a black woman from Brooklyn that's the curator and we also have a contemporary museum and every other week I'm like it's the blackest museum I've ever been to in my life like why is it here and so there are all these ways that people are include inclusive of course we are in Arkansas and you're gonna have all kinds of horrible people but horrible people are everywhere and moving here has not made me feel less safe it has made me feel more included and that i did not expect at all
1: yeah i think that's really good like challenging expectations that like that the only place to be black or to be like safe is in an urban city. center. Yeah. No. And I think, and it's like so interesting to me because like, yeah, for a lot of African-Americans, our roots are very rural and these like very mm-hmm. like, I mean, Benville's not rural. It's like it's pretty not rural city. at all. It's <laughs> no. a town. But, but I do think this idea of like going back to the land, sort of this reverse migration, right? Like we had the great migration in the 1920s. It seems like that sort of trend is reversed and people are building these wonderful, mm-hmm. inclusive, spaces outside of city centers and so don't be afraid to make a big drastic change i will say that to our listeners absolutely
0: and i want to move more rural and have my own little homestead that is the goal is to have acreage and not be able to see neighbors
1: and grow your own food yeah
0: absolutely absolutely
1: Um, Okay, so as we're closing, um, one question to close. We've been asking a lot of our guests this season what they're hopeful about. I feel like just the last two years, there's just been a lot. We have dealt collectively, as much as people want to pretend otherwise, collectively, we have dealt with a lot in the last couple of years. And so I always just like to end, kind of talk about what people are hopeful about.
0: Yeah, I'm hopeful for hope again. I know that sounds kind of circular. but Do you remember when we were entering 2020, how hopeful people were? And then we entered that year of just, I don't even know what that year is. And then there was no pomp and circumstance coming into 2021. And so what I would love to see just going forward is an embracing of more hope. Of course we have it, but the optimism and and the expectancy and the hopefulness. I want to see that return rather than the cynicism and the doom and gloom and the and the division and the and just the, just disdain for people. I would love to see a, a turning round where we can focus on hope again.
1: Okay. And then as we close, where can people find you? If they want to get oh, estates and trust
0: Yes if your girl. You're in Texas or Arkansas, you can hit me up at ibequelaw.com. And you can find me on Instagram at ifyabequellesq or LinkedIn, or you could just get on Google. I've been so many places now. You can find me somewhere. And so please um, let me know um, if I can help you or if you need a speaker to come speak at a function. and um, Or if you just want to to share your thoughts on the interview or yourself. I love that stuff. And people reach out to me all the time, so I really welcome it.
1: Yay, thank you so much, you for being with us today. This was so fun, learned a lot. And women, you know, Faith and I always talk about finances. Try to do an episode focused on that because we really do believe, especially for black women, to take control of your finances, your financial future, and those that you are responsible for. Okay, guys, time for your favorite segment and ours. Go off, sis. And this is our segment where we talk about something in the world that we're loving, we're blessing, something we hate. Hate is a strong word. Something we dislike and that is a not mess and that we are praying the Holy Spirit takes control of that situation. So he would you like to go first or do you want me to go first? You go first. Okay, so I will... Okay, so I always like to start off with mess. And we kind of talked about it on this episode. I think it is a mess that the US is the only one of six countries that doesn't offer any paid family leave, maternity or paternity. We are the richest country that does not offer it. And I'm really very disappointed in our elected officials that decided to drop that from the latest Build Back Better. I'm hoping that this means that we can come together, there be some sort of bipartisan push in the future. But like, paid family leave and it's not just for married people I will say as a single person like I have parents I have relatives that I need to take time off to care for them and so I'm just as invested in this conversation so that's my mess my bless is once again sports related Aaron Rodgers is just as Stephen A. Smith would say a very bad man I love him the Green Bay Packers are doing really well Um, and so I just He is strange, he is a strange person, but on the football field, he is amazing and I would like to bless him. (laughs) If
0: you, what's yours? Okay, so I was gonna say the same mess as you. I was gonna say, God, fix this Congress, but I'm gonna change mine. I would fix our leadership. I mean, it's just top down, a hot, stinking mess. Um, So I won't say that one. So the mess that I will say is the fact that 70% of Americans don't have estate plans. I yeah. think that that is a mess. I think that we're on the precipice of a huge change in uh, generations where our baby boomer parents and maybe grandparents for some of you are gonna pass away and people have no plan for that. And it's gonna be a mess. It's gonna be great for estate planners, but it's gonna be a mess. <laughs> and yeah. and a lot of hurt feelings because people don't think it's, it's worthy of planning. And that generation has so much stuff. It's just unreal. So that's the big mess. And the bless is all these women entrepreneurs I am seeing out here taking no prisoners, standing fully in their in their, you know, calling, in their skin, in their thoughts, being confident. I love that stuff. Because I don't think I saw that growing up. And I just bless all the women who are able to take space and not feel like an imposter and show the rest of us how it's done. It is so inspiring to me.
1: I love it. That is so great. Okay, guys, we will see you here next week. Make sure you tell your friends about the podcast. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We are still trying to get to 200 reviews. And we will see you next time.